because of this experience we've all had of trying to prove our worth in society as women by being the same, you ignore that and you force yourself to try to stay in that same pattern every day. And it's really disrupting this delicate infradian rhythm and destabilizing six key systems of your body. And you don't even know it because no one's told you about it before and you didn't realize you were doing it. And we didn't understand that there were health consequences, but now we do. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. I want you to use your imagination for a moment. Take a second and just imagine a probiotic that actually works. One that actually does what it's supposed to do. Heal your gut. When you find the right probiotic, the one that works, it's like winning the gut lottery. That's where our friends at Just Thrive Probiotic come in. Just Thrive Probiotic is the first and only 100% all-natural spore form, DNA verified and tested probiotic supplement. That means it has 100% survivability. It makes it through your digestive tract and does its magic in there because it doesn't get killed on the way down. It's got clinically proven strains for leaky gut. They're doing nine other ongoing human clinical trials. This is a really powerful way to support your immune system and your brain. Now, your brain really depends on the health of your gut. So not only does having a jacked up gut suck because you get all bloated and gassy and the leaky gut issues and all that, but your brain really depends on the health of your gut. And our friends over at Just Thrive have nailed it when it comes to a product that really works. You take one capsule per day with a meal and you're done. You're going to heal that gut. You're going to improve your digestion. And this is how I've recently really helped my digestion and my gut health overall because I've always had problems with that. And it's getting better and better the longer I use the Just Thrive probiotic. It has completely changed the game for me and I want it to change the game for you. So if you want to make that happen, it's super easy. Just get over to thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. That's thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. And when you use the code Luke15 over there, you're going to save 15% off your order. That's Luke15 at thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. If you follow me on social media, you've no doubt seen me wearing my Blue Blocks glasses. You can find them at blueblocks.com. And if you use the code lifestylist over there, you're going to save 15% off. So why do I wear these glasses? Well, during the day, even if you're in somewhere that's supposed to be healthy, like let's say a Whole Foods or even the gym, you're probably walking around under the most trash brain and eye destructive light possible led lights fluorescent lights etc so it's really important to protect your eyes and your brain and your melatonin etc not only at night as now many of us are learning but also during the day so that's why i have different color blue blocks i'll have the ones that have lenses that are yellow the ones at night that are more amber or even dark red just depends on the time of day but i love blue blocks because 
they are scientifically valid and that they're blocking out the right spectrum. And they also have really well-made frames that are made in Australia, not like cheap-ass ones made in China. They're going to fall apart, etc. So they're really high quality. Another thing that's very cool is they're now doing prescriptions. So you can get reading glasses or your regular RX glasses by just uploading your script at checkout and they do the rest. You can also send them your own frames and they'll make your rad looking glasses blue blocking. It's very cool. So again, go to blueblocks.com and enter the code lifestylist to save 15% off. Also, another new product they have that's very cool is something called the Remedy Sleep Mask that you can wear once you take your blue blocking glasses off. Did you know that light hitting your eyes, even when they're closed, is enough to raise blood sugar levels and suppress melatonin? Yeah. So that's why you need a 100% blackout sleep mask. Now, this thing is awesome for travel. There's no eye pressure. It doesn't like smash your eyes like a lot of eye masks do. Gives you complete uh, darkness and that's guaranteed. And they also have free worldwide shipping, not only for the sleep mask, but also for their glasses. So I would do yourself a favor hook up some of the glasses and definitely get the uh, Remedy sleep mask as well. You can find them at blueblocks.com and you can save 15% with the code lifestylist. That's blueblocks.com. I'm extremely excited to share this episode with you because I think it's one that's going to end a lot of suffering and a lot of confusion, not only for our female listeners, but also for our male listeners who are in relationship with females in any form. This one's called Hormone Harmony, the End of PMS, Cramps, Infertility, and Cycle Chaos with Elisa Vitti. By the end of the show, I'm guessing women will want to join Alyssa's Flow 28 program. It's an incredible program for women. So Make sure you listen through to the end where I tell you about it and how you can save 50% off your first month of membership. It is a game changer. In fact, I wouldn't even mind being a woman just so I could fix all my problems with her course. No, seriously, it's, uh, it's insane. Her body of knowledge is just absolutely unparalleled when it comes to women's hormone and general reproductive health. About our guest, Alisa Vitti is a woman's hormone and functional nutrition expert and pioneer in female biohacking. She's the best-selling author of Woman Code and In the Flow, as well as the creator of the Cycle Sinking Method, a female-centric diet and lifestyle program that leverages hormonal patterns for optimal health, fitness, and productivity. Here are but a few of the topics we cover in this conversation. The personal struggle that led her to this path, how her spirituality informs her work, facts that will help men understand women, the most common causes of hormonal disruption, how competitive feminism has a negative impact on women by encouraging them to work in the same way men work in corporate environments, the fact that orgasm balances women's hormones, yay, reasons why many vegan and vegetarian women become infertile and stop menstruating. The truth about IBF, when it works and when it doesn't, why some people do not produce breast milk, how blue light and EMF exposure affect women's circadian rhythm and reproductive health, the side effects of medical birth control, the cause of painful periods, why some women are emotionally challenged by PMS and how to fix it, the root cause of fibroids, endometriosis and how you can heal it naturally, the different phases of a woman's cycle and why her partner needs to know them what menstrual blood color can tell us about a woman's health, how men can tune into their partner's cycle and be most supportive, the fitness myths that are harmful to women, 
And finally, how her app and program is helping thousands of women to manage their health. My intuition's telling me that by the end of this conversation, you're going to want to sign up for and explore Elisa's membership, Flow 28, the incredible new program she created for women like you, if you happen to be one. So you can sign up with a 50% discount off your first month at CycleSyncingMembership.com by using the code LukeStory. So again, that's CycleSyncingMembership.com and the code is LukeStory which saves you 50% off your first month. So I'm really happy to support what she's doing there. Based on this conversation, she really knows her stuff. And I'll tell you what, if I was a woman, I'd be in that program right now because it seems like she's really solved a lot of the mysteries uh, that come with having a female body. And with that, my friends, let's go ahead and jump into this fascinating and actually really fun conversation with Elisa Vitti. All right, here we are. We finally got you on the show, Elisa. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Luke. So happy to be here. Yeah, me too. So we just had a great pre-interview chat, which uh, normally doesn't happen much on Zoom. It happens more in person. And I always have this experience where during the pre-chat, I'm thinking, man, we should have the mics on. This should be being recorded. And it never is. Uh, And then today on Zoom, we had the same thing. So I'm hoping we can kind of recreate some of that initial 15 minutes because you were dropping knowledge bombs that were really potent and valuable. So I'm excited to uh, get in here and dive in with you. I'm certain we will deliver to the listeners some good information today. So the the latest news with you is you've got your new book, In the Flow. We both happen to have a copy here for those watching the video on uh, YouTube or elsewhere. And it is like the Bible of female hormone health. And uh, I read it in my speed reading way, which is the way I read prepping interviews. It's like cliff notes. And um, it's a lot of information. And so as I started to pull together the questions that I have for you today, I thought, oh no, man, this is going to be like a five-part interview because there's no way we'll be able to get through it. But We'll do the best we can. We will. We will. What What else besides your book that came out in January of this year are you excited about? What's on the frontier for you at the moment? Oh, I I'm I mean on a work on the work side of things, there's some interesting things we're getting ready to launch um, around some innovative um, formulations to help women with their cycle. And then we're getting ready to update the app and release a new, a brand new version, which we haven't done since we launched it. We've, you know, updated it along the way, but this is going to be like a big redo. So that's pretty exciting. And on the personal front, um, you know, I guess I'm learning how to embrace homeschooling. (laughs) You know, that's, uh, it felt like this short-term challenge that had to be surmounted in the spring and now it's the new normal. And so I've just really made peace with it. And actually, um, it's just opened me up to a whole other way of thinking about learning and education. And um, it's it's actually been a really interesting process for me personally, because I'm someone who loved academia. And so now this whole experience of not having my daughter in school is like, it just... Different, different and good. How old's your daughter? She's five, almost six, as she'll remind me. Remind me. <laughs> so. It's funny. I live in an area in LA called Laurel Canyon, and it appears to be wooded and remote. But in fact, if you look on a map, the houses are like on top of each other here, literally, right? Because you have neighbors 
you know, on the one side of the canyon, on the other side of the canyon, and then next to you, right. kind of just surrounded. And uh, there's a lot of leaf blowers. And also, as of late, tons of kids. I'm like, where did all these kids come from? I didn't know there was one kid in the whole canyon. And now every day I hear these little banshees just running around. The- <laughs> Seemingly, probably, you know, in some cases, driving their parents crazy because I hear their parents' reactions. You know, there's a lot of like, Jimmy, stop, get over here, you know. So I think a lot of parents right now are, you know, kind of reinventing themselves as parents slash teachers. It's a really interesting time. It is. And I'm trying to take it as, even though it definitely has been stressful and a challenge, I'm trying to just take the spiritual lessons of like, how can I increase in patience and acceptance and, you know, uh, but also finding that this... uh, a lot of this together time is really deeply beneficial to the family unit. You know, it's been really interesting to spend so much time with my husband and my daughter constantly, um, as opposed to being, you know, running here to school and work and events. And uh, I think it's, I think it's been a great thing actually. Yeah, me too. I mean, out of all of this insanity, uh, I wouldn't say that much good has come of it generally speaking, but uh, I know that- Certainly. flourished as a result and also being a relatively new relationship has been put to the test. You know, everything's fine when you're just dating and hanging out and everyone's working and making money and doing their thing. Uh, And, you know, you have your individual lives, you go out, there's businesses, you get your hair done, you know, you go to a club, you go to Air One, which is our club. Um, (laughs) I finally, finally got out. I was in LA uh, right at the first week of February for the book launch in LA. And I finally got to air one. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. (laughs) But when you're, you know, when you're in this, you know, tyrannical uh, lockdown situation and have to spend a lot of time with someone, it's really a testament to how you operate under different circumstances. You know, I'm proud to report and grateful to report that it's just done done nothing but just strengthen our relationship. It's just been great. We realize, God, half the stuff we do a lot of the time is not even necessary or that fun. We're just so pleased to be homebodies and just, you know, thankfully we have careers that um, as of yet haven't been terribly affected by this, but we work from home and have online businesses and we're kind of like, cool, hang out with the dog and cat and just sit in the backyard and get our work done. And there's not really a need for so many of the things, the extracurricular, I can never say that word, curricular activities uh, that you find yourself getting busy with. So it's, you know, it's a way to find the blessing, I guess. Um, I want to ask you, how does your spirituality inform your work? You know, you're working with uh, women and supporting them on their journey physically, but I get a sense from you through your writing and podcast I've listened uh, uh, to featuring you that you have a spiritual appropriation to life. And what is the basis of that? And how does that play out in your career? No one literally has ever asked me that question. Um, I guess for me, when I think about, um, you know, what drives me, why am I such an advocate for this type of uh, upgrade in women's health care from a hormonal point of view. I think, you know, when you go through something yourself that um, is difficult with, with your physical health, it makes you inherently more compassionate um, to the suffering of other people. Um, you know, and I, I don't necessarily put labels on what kind of spiritual perspective that is, but I think that that's a universal, you know, 
possible truth for people to have this expanded sense of compassion for others. And that was sort of the first thing or the first experience that opened me up to, gee, I want to, I want to be helped. I want to help myself, but then I also want to help others. And that's also, uh, you know, interestingly enough, part of the female stress response process of instead of fighting or fleeing, you know, tending and befriending. So I've wanted to reach my arms out around other women with these hormonal issues and, and offer support. But then also seeing you know, behind the scenes of the limitations of what conventional, you know, gynecology has to offer for women with chronic hormonal issues, um, you know, just made me very interested in trying to solve that problem. So I think there's also this, um, how can we help? How can we work collaboratively? Um, how can we inform? How can we educate? And how can we empower women to reclaim um, the right orientation to their own feminine spirit, you know, one that is self-loving, uh, self-appreciating such that then they have an opportunity to really reclaim their sovereignty as, a, as women. Right. Um, and so I, I think I've never really tried to think about my spiritual orientation, but I think it's a combination of this, um, you know, deep compassion for the suffering that women have to go through around these issues that just seems to be completely unnecessary, um, a pragmatic desire to just create solutions. And then also, um, you know, a feminist heartbeat, so to speak, that's, you know, pulsing these energies together to really be an advocate for improving the cultural narrative around women's hormonal health. Um, and, and, and improving the way women think about themselves. Yeah, thank you for that. That's very well said. And uh, from my perspective, it seems you're doing exactly that. I mean, you have rabid fans and I think there's a reason for that. So what you're doing seems to be working. So as we dive into this conversation, uh, you know, sometimes when I put out a show that seems to be female centric, uh, I, I'm imagining a guy like scrolling through the app on the, you know, the podcast app and seeing, oh, what's on the lifestyleist? And they'll be like, women's hormones skip. But I really want to encourage men to expand their awareness around this because, in my experience, true fulfillment comes from your relationship with your beloved, whether that be man, woman, whatever. Uh, and so, I think men are, for the most part, very clueless about what goes on inside of a woman's body. And there's so much guesswork. And because a man, especially if he's in his masculine, is, is a fixer. You know, it's like we want to know what the problem is and we want to fix it. Not because, you know, if our heart's in the right place, not because we want to control or we're intolerant, but because that's how we help, right? We want to understand, you know, the 10 steps to fixing this thing so that we can fix it. And, you know, by the way, men listening, if you're smart and you're, if you have a female partner and she has problems, don't try to fix them. Just listen until she invites you to help fix them. I've learned that over the years. Um, but I think that your work has an application for men too. And it's so supportive that we understand that. So from your perspective in this conversation, what can be of value to the men that we're about to tune out? but think, ah, maybe there's something here that can really enrich my life and the life of the females that I interact with. Yeah, I would say definitely don't tune out, tune in <laughs> for sure, because uh, lean into this conversation because 
I guess first I want to address the statement that you made about how men are clueless about women's hormones. And I actually just want to expand that to say that we all as a society have been rendered clueless about females' hormones. And we come by that honestly as part of the institutionalized gender bias that has um, infiltrated medical fitness and nutrition research and from the longstanding, dare say, biblical uh, you know, um, narratives that say that, you know, these are just mysterious, unknowable forces of a woman's body that just are going to be what they're going to be. And you just have to suffer along with it, whether you're the woman suffering or the man suffering on the sidelines of her suffering. Right. And this is just so disempowering for everyone. So I just want to expand that, that like, we're kind of all in the same boat, which is bad news, but also good news because we can move forward together, which I always think is the best way. Um, But the other big reason why you want to really learn about this information, if you are in a relationship with a woman, whether you're in a romantic relationship with her or you're a sister, a brother to a to a, girl, a woman or whatever your relationship, a coworker, is because you have been educated as a male to understand your biological rhythms in a in a way that has just been so normalized. You probably don't even realize it until I put a little picture frame around it and explain it to you, which I'm happy to do. But around your hormonal pattern, how that follows the circadian rhythm, for example. You know that your testosterone is greater in the morning. Sometimes a certain body part will alert you to the fact that your testosterone is surging at that morning interval. You also know that it's lower at night and that it's less ideal for you to do things like strength train or have a long sexual session with your partner when your testosterone is lower because you've been given this information as part of a normalized conversation of when you should do things for optimal results, right? Even the whole culture around success, um, you know, waking up early in the morning, doing a workout early in the morning, doing a lot of your deep work in the morning, and then socializing towards the latter half of the day. There's extensive details for men who are trying to get fit around what time to do which workouts, strength versus cardio, to get maximum result with least effort and least strain on the body. This has all been studied disseminated and normalized, you take for granted that you have this understanding about the pattern of your biology. Now, for women, and you know how useful and practical it is, but for women, we don't have that conversation normalized or even disseminated and not even studied. And so we're walking around using the things that optimize your biology to try to optimize our lives. It's not working. It's actually making us feel worse. And then when we try to come together in a, let's say, relating with each other, um, you knowing what works for you, but not knowing what works for us, right? Creates friction and frustration, right? And I know having taught so many men over the years, once you understand this process, this pattern, it feels very empowering to you, if especially if you're in a relationship, romantic relationship with a female, to know exactly what to do when. For example, wouldn't you love to know Um, when to suggest like, hey, honey, let's go hang out with our friends as your date night kind of activity. Wouldn't you love to know when to suggest that for like where it would just delight her and she would think you're the most amazing psychic, 
person that, and she's so grateful that she's with you. You loved versus when to say, honey, let me roast you a chicken and rub your feet or let me, you know, let's rent a movie and I'll cook. Let's cook, you know? And she'd be like, God, I just, how do you always know what I want? Right. Wouldn't you love that? Of course you would love that. And that's just on the, what to do. There's also on the, how to optimize her orgasm part of things. And as all of this is very predictable, um, and it's one of the reasons why I built in the partner sync feature within the MyFlow app so that, you know, if you're so lucky to be dating a woman or with a woman who's got that app, she can give you access to this little hormonal dossier you get weekly to let you know exactly what to do when, so that it becomes part of the matrix and the fabric of your relating to each other so that you're both getting the most out of your pleasure response with each other, you know, whether that be the way you interact, the way you communicate, the things that you do, and yes, the way that you have physical contact as well. Wow, that's cool. It it brings to mind uh, the fact that one thing that raises men's testosterone is a feeling of success and accomplishment. So it's like (laughs) we can hack our own testosterone just by being a successful partner and being able to anticipate and fulfill the needs of our female partner. Should we be with And vice versa, you know, this is not a one-way street. So for example, I'm married to a wonderful guy. I've been with him for, gosh, I feel like it's a long time, like at least a decade or a few years more. I never keep exact track. Um, But you know, I, I know his hormonal patterns. So like, I'm not going to necessarily go and approach him at 1130 at night if I want to have a really expanded sexual encounter where I'm having multiple orgasms and, you know, the whole shebang, right? Because I know his testosterone is like gone for the day. And if he doesn't get to sleep around 10 o'clock, he's not going to make enough for the next day. And I'm, I'm stealing from him and myself from the next day, right? And so I'm aware of that. So I purposefully time, you know, our encounters to optimize where he is in his hormonal reality and where I am in mine. And again, that mutual understanding of each other's patterns is so uh, beneficial. It's so loving. It's such a sign of deep respect um, and concern for your partner. I just think it's another love language <laughs> that maybe we haven't yet considered that I know has been the bedrock of our relationship. That's very cool. Yeah, I was dating uh, someone at, at one point and she was getting the emails, I guess, associated with the app. And then I signed up or was signed up for the emails. And so whatever it was, I think once a week or so, who's that? About, you know, as she changes her cycle phases, you'll get informed, yeah study up on the emails and then I would quiz her like, okay, so I got the email. This says where you are. And it was pretty spot on. I have to say, I mean, she was like, yep, for sure. I want to go out a lot this week and be social or not, or, you know, the things that you just described. And it was, it was actually very interesting. And being, you know, the biohacker type guy that I am, I actually really liked learning that information and applying it so that I could feel successful and help her to feel supported and happy. And it was, it was very cool. So I think there is a lot here for, for men as well. For men, but also can you imagine what would happen if, you know, instead of waiting for these like large institutions to change their, their conversation that from the inside out and, you know, from, from the female point of view, I always say, you know, taking ownership of your infradian rhythm, which is this biological rhythm that we're going to dive into a little bit more, which is the, the, this is the first book that talks about it. And this is the, the rhythm that women have that men don't have. When you take ownership of that and you start to really um, 
nourish that and support that in your life, right? You you reclaim, you know, a lot of your own well-being and your freedom. And then when you do that as a couple, whether you're in a same-sex relationship or not, um, you're starting to change the way you guys interact in your sphere, right, of community. And then all of a sudden, we're having some change happening from the bottom up, right? Of a, what would it look like if the world was actually more inclusive of both biological rhythms, right? The circadian and the infradian. And this is not to say, well, should we have a patriarchy or a matriarchy? This is just like, well, what if we actually became a culture that was just more appreciative of and inclusive of um, these rhythms that, and we really did away with this institutionalized gender bias that has kept the knowledge about this information um, out of everyone's reach and and everyone is suffering. I mean, it's just, it's so exciting to think about what would happen in a generation or two when you just start out of the gate knowing that these rhythms exist, that you have to interact with them, take care of them, use them to your benefit and help each other take care of them in community. It's, I don't know, it's hard to fathom, but I know that it's an exciting and positive uh, future potential. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm thinking about one of the kind of downsides of one of the waves of feminism, and I'm not sure which one, but is this model of competition and wanting to be the same as men in an effort to achieve equality, right? Because equality is is inherent unless you're an idiot or just a really unevolved person where you think, you know, one human being's life is more value or deserves rights over another but it's that sameness, I think, that's not done anyone um, a real service, you know. And in the celebration of the minutia of our differences, fundamentally, from a physiological point of view, it's an it's an automatic appreciation for the other, and um, I think helps to build empathy so that you can understand. As you said, you understand your husband late at night is not the time to try to have like the most mind-blowing sexual experience or maybe bring him a huge problem in the relationship or something that's going to require high testosterone and high energy. You're doing him such a service by acknowledging that difference biologically, you know? And so I think it's just, it's a really, it's a really progressive in a, in the truest sense, because there's a lot of, in my opinion, fake progressivism or destructive progressivism in our culture right now. But this is true progression in that we're acknowledging science and we're acting from that in order to better support each other and to have healthier, more fulfilling relationships, which is the trickle effect ends up where then society and culture does change to reflect that. What starts in the home is going to bleed out into the workplace, into corporate America, corporate world at large, you know, but this is where it starts, I think, is in our interpersonal relationships. I want to just respond to the sort of feminist piece to just say that I think every step along the journey of feminism has been um, necessary and hard earned. And think about it again from everything that I talk about is always coming from this lens of biology and hormones. And so let's, let's just dial back the clock to a world that was even less inclusive for women, right? So it wasn't necessary, even though it wasn't necessarily like a, I wish we didn't have to go through it, but it was a necessary step to say, hey, in your world that doesn't include us, the corporate world, let's say primarily, again, which through the lens of biological rhythms, and just so we all have the same um, 
vantage point. The science that studies biological rhythms is called chronobiology, just so you're aware. And so there are many rhythms. There's a circadian rhythm. There's this infradian rhythm. There's ultradian rhythms. You can dive deep. It's, I think, an, a key part of anyone who's a serious someone who's seriously pursuing biohacking, this has got to be on your radar. But let's just, again, this corporate culture was oriented around male hormonal patterns, which follow that circadian rhythm. But we weren't having that conversation. That wasn't part of the language, but it was that women weren't allowed to work in the corporate environment. So it was really kind of this important piece of the journey for them to come in and say, look, we can do it. We can fit ourselves into your model. And we can succeed and we can do all the things despite the mythology, the rhetoric, the cultural narrative that says that we can't. That, that was valuable because I think also for our own uh, self-knowledge that we can do that. The problem is exactly what you said, that sameness. Um, the circadian pattern is like Groundhog Day for anybody who remembers that movie, which I just think is a hoot. Uh, you know, it's literally like rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, and every day is the same. And in fact, when you have a biological system that operates that way, your goal every day, right? If you have testicles and functioning male hormones, this should be your goal: sameness, right? Wake up at between five and six a.m. when your testosterone and cortisol is surging. Do your do a workout, have the sex, do your deep work, front load all those things in your day before two o'clock. After that point, the testosterone and cortisol is going to start to decrease. Then you're going to start to be more present to your estrogen, which men have, of course. And you're going to want to socialize, happy hour, all the things that you've taken for granted is just part of like the normal routine of corporate. This actually is just completely modeled after your hormonal pattern. And then go into the man cave around eight or nine o'clock, shut down the, you know, power down the brain computer and go to bed at 10 o'clock. That way you can maximize testosterone production for the next day. It's the same, the same. That's why all the success coaches, everyone from Tony Robbins, who is amazing, to Franklin Covey, to, I don't know, people talking about power mornings, all of that is predicated on a, and I don't think that it's intentional, but again, it's just this institutionalized gender bias that we just don't even see because it's just been the way it's always been. That's all predicated on that research that's been done on what works for men, right? And women have been left out of that research, left out of the corporate world. And so we, like we did in the 60s and 70s when we tried to fit ourselves into the corporate model and say, look, we can be the same every day. We've also now done that with fitness, nutrition, success, time management, like, look, okay, well, the gurus and the, 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 the whatever, the, the, the tropes that are saying, this is what's ideal, your ideal day, which I love getting that question on interviews, like, oh, what's your, you know, sh share with us your daily routine. I'm like, <laughs> which, which phase of the month am I in? Um, that's all predicated on the sameness of that male hormonal circadian pattern. And we're trying to squeeze ourselves into that sameness. And I would like us to learn from why that didn't work so well for us in the corporate experience from that wave of feminism. It was at such a high price emotionally and physically for women who had to go through that. 
Um, we're, and we're already paying that price now. You know, almost 50% of women, Luke, are suffering from hormonal imbalances. And when we compare that to the male cohort, it's something like under 10%. So obviously it works really well when you synchronize your, fit, your self-care, your fitness, your, your time management with your hormonal biochemistry. Look at all the good that that does for the male half of the species. It's really optimizing your just basic biohacking, reducing stress on the body and giving you health results that you take for granted. We're trying to squeeze ourselves into that same pattern every day and it's having negative effects on women's cycles, right? We have more hormonal imbalances, more period problems, more PMS on our moods, on our energy. Uh, Anxiety is something that women feel inordinately burdened with and that's really the direct result of trying to force yourself to be the same every day, to do things at the same time, to work out at the same intensity, to eat the same amount of calories every day, even though your body and your inner guidance system, whatever you want to call it, is screaming for you to do something different. You, because of this experience we've all had of trying to prove our worth in society as women by being the same, you ignore that and you force yourself to try to stay in that same pattern every day. And it's really disrupting this delicate infradian rhythm and destabilizing six key systems of your body. And you don't even know it because no one's told you about it before and you didn't realize you were doing it. And we didn't understand that there were health consequences, but now we do. Wow, that's deep. As you explain that, I'm, uh, I'm seeing that perhaps that you know that progression in in the movement you know i was raised by a ardent feminist from berkeley in in the 70s you know and um so i'm very familiar with the perspective that we're all equal right i was just brought up that way but i have observed what you're speaking about as really a detriment to women you know is this trying to fit into that box of the you know the corporate model or whatever it is and paying the price because they're not the same. But I had no idea why. I just felt energetically like, ah, this is going to hurt them. But it seems as though it was like one of the passages along the way to create a new paradigm where there are different things for different people at different times. And there are you know, multitudes of uh, ways in which one can be successful financially, professionally, et cetera. And that it is outside of the paradigm that was built by men for men. And as you, as you explain that, I'm thinking about myself. <laughs> I mean, if I had to go get a job where my routine was fucked with, it would be extremely... I mean, my like morning... Yes. Routine, I mean, my you know lovely Allison knows like I'm gone for three hours when I wake up before I even start work. I mean, I got the ice baths and all the meditation, all the things. And on some days, every once in a while, just because it's necessary, that gets interrupted. I'm out of sorts all day. Like, if Are I- you cranky? <laughs> Dare I say, do you have man PMS at some point during the day? <laughs> Has your blood sugar been destabilized? Your cortisol levels disrupted? Has that had an effect on your blood sugar, your mood, your energy, your ability to concentrate and focus? Surprising. <laughs> And in fact, yesterday I had a coaching call that began at the ungodly hour of 9 a.m., which is way before I interface with anyone publicly, typically, but I really didn't want to miss it. So I hadn't done my morning routine and I jumped right into this Zoom thing because it was important. And then I still had to go do my routine after to just do the rest of my work yesterday. 
I was like, I guess I could just keep going. I go, nah, something's wrong. Like, I do not feel right. I got to go get right. And then I'm able to perform. So it's, it's interesting to kind of put myself in the other shoes, you know, like, wow, imagine if I had to just do what's completely unnatural to me in order to compete, to perform, in order to just operate in the system in which we live. And worse, I mean, at least you know what to do, right? You know exactly what to do because it's been well-researched, right? Now imagine this, the, your, your pattern is messed with constantly and you have no idea what you should do to get yourself back into balance and you're grabbing and scrambling and trying this and trying that and this pattern and this diet and this morning routine and that, and hopefully something will work for you because you just feel constantly so bad, symptomatic, behind the eight ball and, and really deeply concerned that you're not going to be able to manifest the life that you want because of all of this you know, struggle. Wow, that's interesting. What a great conversation. Thank you for this. I'm really I'm really enjoying this perspective. I really am someone who uh, likes to understand the way things work. I like to take Me too. <laughs> Dan, like how we got here and how we get to the next level of evolution. So it's really really interesting. Um so I guess let me see where do I want to go with this? I mean, we just covered kind of the first chunk of it without even trying. I guess uh, let's talk about some of the most other other than just behavioral habits and just the way in which we go about our day. What are some of the other things that really disrupt women's hormones and then lead into the cascade of other issues, which we can talk about irregular cycles and all of infertility and all of the things. But like, what's the low hanging fruit of like, this is what's jacking up your hormones in terms of what you're eating, how you're living, products you use, et cetera. Well, I'm going to want to take a step back to just give some background on the infradian rhythm because most women have never heard of the term before. And it'll help when I explain some of the disruption that's taking place so that we can geolocate ourselves in this conversation. So, so since we just were talking a lot to the men, let me talk specifically to the women. So hello, ladies <laughs> that are listening. Um, so some of you who have heard about this book, you know that the new concept that I'm introducing in the book is the... <clears throat> This concept of the infradian rhythm and what this is is you know similar to the circadian rhythm, which we used to think just governed like the sleep wake process, right? Extensive research has revealed that the circadian rhythm actually supports um, the timing of various functions of the body. For example, um, you know when you have more elevated blood pressure, when you have less elevated blood pressure, when you have more active bowel movements, when you have less active bowel movements, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Similarly, the infradian rhythm, we don't experience that within a 24-hour clock. We experience that over the course of our menstrual cycle. But it goes well beyond, just like the the circadian rhythm goes well beyond the sleep-wake pattern, it goes well beyond just when you have your period. But you do experience it over the course of the four phases of your cycle. It supports or makes less uh, optimal, the six key systems of your body, your brain, your metabolism. I mean, not these little minor things, okay? Brain, metabolism, immune response system, stress response system, microbiome, and your reproductive system, which of course is comprised of the trifecta of your cycle, um, your fertility, and your sex drive. 
So you can imagine that anything that you're doing to disrupt this infradian rhythm is going to have negative effects trickle down into any one of those six systems of your body. The first place that you're going to be obviously noticing it is in your cycle because those symptoms are the loudest and most troublesome. And so we tend to pay attention to them more. But before you even get there, you've likely already experienced some destabilization with mood, with concentration, with metabolism, with immune response, with microbiome. And then all of a sudden you're noticing, gee, my cycle is off. It's heavier than I want it to be, or I have really severe PMS symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But long before that, you've been doing things like, as we were just talking about, living in a way that is patterned after male hormonal patterns, right? The circadian pattern, like trying to squeeze the same routine every day over, regardless of where you are in your cycle. Um, Exposing yourself to different chemical um, known endocrine disruptors is like a big thing that I think women have to be really vigilant, not just women, men too. Um, you know, precocious puberty is up not just with teen girls, but also young boys, as is infertility is on the rise now idiopathically across both genders. So I think it's just really important to be mindful of that in general. Um, but then the other thing, and this is why I wanted to sort of bring in the infrading rhythm is some of the things that you're doing, like eating the same calorie number every day actually is disruptive to this, to your metabolism. Why? Because in the first half of your cycle, your metabolism is slightly slower. So if you were to eat fewer calories, like you're told to do, because the narrative says women are just smaller versions of men and therefore should restrict calories more. No, but seriously, and work out to compensate. So you're well-groomed to like restrict your calories, even if you don't mean to. You're, You're like, oh, yay, salads and smoothies, and that's great. And that works really well when your metabolism is slightly lower. But in the second half, once you cross ovulation into the luteal phase, your metabolism speeds up and there is a measured documented need for almost 300 more calories per day in order for you to optimize your metabolic function. So if you continue to restrict calories in the second half, like you think you're supposed to, because you're supposed to be the same every day, then what you're going to do is disrupt blood sugar. So these are hormones, right? When we talk about hormones, I don't just mean estrogen and progesterone. I also mean insulin and cortisol, right? And thyroid hormones. So this is this can happen when we don't eat the right amount of calories at the right time. Another thing that we do as women without realizing it is doing the same intensity of workouts every day. So um, there's there are two things I like to to joke about or to bring up as a way to lighten the situation here. The first is there was a commercial years ago, easily a decade ago, and I, I'm sure you remember it. It was like these two little cartoon sketch figures. It was like Jack and Jill, you know, their couple, and they're overweight. And Jack and Jill are going to go on the same diet and fitness plan. And at the end of the month, Jack his little drawings turns out from like this pudgy little you know stick figure to like, you know, washboard abs. He looks like a Greek god. But Jill, she looks the same at the end of the month. And Jill's still fat and frustrated. Poor Jill. We don't know why this phenomenon happens. She needs help. She needs this medication. The commercial was for a medication, right? Again, this is just crazy because it's just the fact that Jill did the same diet and workout plan that Jack did. This is why she's actually not lost weight because the studies show If you do high intensity interval training after you cross over ovulation in the luteal phase, you turn on fat storage and you turn on muscle wasting. 
So if you're trying to be a good, committed, just do it, just commit fitness person and show up with your willpower every day to crush your workouts at the same intensity that you were doing in the first half, the follicular and the ovulatory phases, and you carry that into the luteal and the menstrual, at best, at the end of the month, you will have made no delta with gaining muscle and using stored fat, whether or not weight loss is your goal. And at worst, you will gain fat. Right, which takes me to that second story, which is, you know, years ago in my practice, there was this trend of, of women wanting to get in shape and they would train for triathlons. And they'd come to me after months of running, biking, and swimming five miles a day, eating what their coaches told them to eat, and they'd have gained 20 pounds after the competition. Right. And why is that? Because of the profound disruption and disregard for the modulation effect that the infradian rhythm has on our metabolism is just one layer, right? So that's another way that you're likely disrupting this. And this will have negative effects on your cycle. You'll notice an an increase in severity of PMS, an increase in symptoms of with whatever it is you may be diagnosed with with your period. A lot of women are struggling with PCOS, endometriosis, fibroids, et cetera. So it's just so important that we learn that disruption doesn't always come in the form of chemical exposure. It's also how we're interacting with this rhythm. And again, we just compare it to what men are doing, right? Men know, I'm not going to go do a heavy set of strength training at 10 o'clock at night because you're not going to gain lean muscle at that time and you're going to injure yourself, right? So all that effort for no real big return. And if you did that every day, you'd start to have negative effects, right? Long-term with your metabolism, with testosterone production, with blood sugar stability, you may end up putting a little fat around the middle, so to speak. So we just need to be sensitive and attuned to what our patterns are and just start to work with them because then everything, as I am describing, starts to get in the flow. And so it just feels easier, easier. And it's not just something that only men get to experience this like, you know, one month of a transformation from pudgy Jack to Greek God Jack, right? It's something that you, and again, I'm not focused on weight loss, though I have maintained a 60 pound weight loss for 20 years. It's not the focus. It's the side effect of aligning with your biological rhythms. And it's just so much easier than we've been told, not just with weight loss, but any of it. That's so interesting in the piece of that that has to do with what you eat and when you eat. I'm observing the vast difference in cravings, appetite, the amount of food between myself and my female partner. I could literally eat the same exact thing every day at the same time. And you should. I'm also not really a foodie, so I'm not that food motivated. It's just utilitarian, like get it in, keep it moving. But um, I watch the way that Allison eats and I'm just so baffled by it. It's just so weird. Like the stuff that she craves when she eats it, how much she eats. It's just, it's so interesting to me to observe her. And, you know, obviously I'm smart enough just to let her do her own thing and not try to intervene with my opinions that are, um, you know, haven't been asked for. But uh, yeah, I go, oh my God, I would like be so moody if I ate like that, you know? But like, for example, the mood stabilization piece, right? A lot of women express that they feel like they have anxiety or depression or heightened sense of, you know, not handling stress as well in the second half of their cycle, the luteal and the menstrual phases. Again, now we're talking about brain chemistry here. This effect of slightly elevated cortisol levels at rest, which takes place in the second half of the cycle, 
if you if you work out too long, if you do that high intensity interval training, if you don't eat enough slow burning carbohydrates to sustain your blood sugar, if you don't eat enough easily digestible fats, proteins, and, and vegetables that are cooked, you're going to feel anxious and stressed because by disrupting blood sugar, you're going to elevate cortisol levels and you're going to negatively impact your stress response. All of that can be modulated by changing the amount of calories you eat, the types of foods that you're eating, and the intensity of the workouts. And that's just on the food and fitness piece. So in the book, I'm introducing this concept of the infradian rhythm, but I'm also offering a new method for women to support this. And it's called the cycle syncing method. And it has these three pillars, the food piece, the fitness piece, but also the time management piece, because it turns out in 1996, Dr. Catherine Woolley at Northwestern University discovered that the female brain changes by 25% over the course of the month. Wow. Powerful, right? The male brain changes also in a, a profound way throughout the 24-hour day, right? And you, you already know that intuitively when you're able to do deeper focused efforts and concentrated work and when you're not. So it's just that we don't have the same... Um, short-term you know, repercussions of our energy dips the way that you do every day, we, we experience the change more gently over the course of the month when things are balanced, when our hormones are not supported, when our infrading rhythm is not supported. Women will feel like, and it is not in their head, that they're a different person the second half of the month. They don't recognize themselves. They don't like what's happening. They don't feel as focused or motivated. Um, so the time management piece is really there to help you take advantage of what's going on with your brain chemistry, to play to your strengths, to reduce stress, to get more done with less effort. So again, you're, in, you're architecting, biohacking, whatever word you want to use, a peak state of flow, a female-oriented flow, one that is inclusive of your infradian rhythm, as opposed to you trying to you know, white knuckle it to get uh, achieve another kind of peak flow state, which really is you know more male oriented. Oh, that's that's really cool. As as you're speaking this whole time, I mean, I can't. I'm trying to be a broken record, but I can't help just reflect on my live-in partner and observing the differences between us, which I find to be really intriguing and entertaining, actually, because it's just it's like observing a you know a different species of human. You know, yeah, we're we're different. <laughs> We're different. That should be celebrated, but it should also be quantified and known and normalized, right? Like, you know, my husband will come to me and say things like, oh, um, he'll, he'll know exactly what phase I'm in. He'll be like, oh, yeah. So let's, you know, let I, I think this would be the best type of thing for us to do right now. What do you think? I'll be like, yeah, that's great. It's just really helpful for us to share the same language of body fluency when it or biological rhythm fluency with each other makes it richer. Yeah, the other day Allison uh, said pulled me aside and said, "You know, sweetie, you don't think I'm like lazy because some days I just don't do much and, you know, I just rest and kind of hang out. <laughs> I'm just on my phone and then other times I'm super productive and crushing it. And of course, well the first thing I said is it's none of my business what you do. A B, do you? I, mean, I don't have any expectations about how you live your life. That, that's on you. Um, but it, but I, I love what she said because she's sharing vulnerably the burden of circadian productivity as a trope in our culture, right? That like 
the the only way to be valued is to be constantly productive every 24 hour cycle and and now in the in the technology age it's really the always on it's moved from sort of like a daily productivity pattern to a constant you know almost inhuman if you will <laughs> productivity pattern which i don't think is is necessarily the right direction for us to be moving in why build the technology if it can't help unburden us more right um as opposed to forcing us to live in ways that are not sustainable um, but for women, it's sort of this added burden of feeling guilty or feeling worried about being judged or feeling even worse, feeling like they're, you're not going to be valued and loved for just the way that you operate at a core level, which is, you know, really terrifying for women. In fact, in that the first time a woman really touches that pain body is at puberty because prior to puberty, everyone's just operating on a circadian rhythm. You don't notice that you that the world is set up for that because it's just you're the fish swimming in that fish tank. It's all the same. Then at pubescence, when the infradian clock becomes activated and you start to feel the tectonic shifting of each of these phases and you are different and you want different things and you need different things, but the world is still operating in the same way. And the, on the people who succeed, the people who are written about the history books, the power players are all living that way. You think, uh Oh, subconsciously as a pubescent teenage girl, you think, uh Oh, I need to address that somehow. And I think there's a little bit of a, some sort of feminine soul wounding that takes place, you know, and I'm no psychology expert and I defer to those experts, but I, I would, I would um, put forward a potential idea that when you are deprived of the knowledge of this scientific fact about your infrading rhythm and the world is not inclusive of it, and then you encounter that for the first time, there's a big turning away from who you are fundamentally and so you have to decide how are you going to survive the circadian culture, right? You either follow it and try to be the same every day and deny your needs, or you try to like, you know, somehow disappear from view in some way, right? And that can be um, over-intellectualizing or that could be eating disorders or that could be all sorts of things. But, um, and again, this is just a, a loose theory. I'm sort of stringing together because you know it how is it that so many women really struggle with just this concept of feeling safe to love who they are just the way that they are and i again i just think it comes down to being deprived of this basic information about how our biochemistry works and there's nothing wrong with it and the only thing that's been wrong is that we haven't talked about it and then we just constantly compare ourselves to one pattern it's yeah. it, you know it's hurtful Wow. So enlightening. This is great. What great information you're putting out. I, I really never even thought about it from this point of view. It was just like, oh yeah, we're, we're different. Cool. Let me be sympathetic to the needs of the females in my life and understand that I don't understand. You know what I mean? And just be as compassionate as, as one can be. But in the construct of the way our lives are set up in Western culture, it is really interesting. And reflecting back on that question that Allison asked me the other day, like, you know, basically saying like, Hey, I feel like I'm, will you still love me if I'm, if yeah. I'm me? <laughs> me? Cause I'm just chilling. And, you know, as I said, it's none of my business, but not in an uncaring way. It's just like, I, 
I, I don't have an opinion on how you live your life. If you're happy, I'm happy, you know? But think and if- now with this information, you could answer that question a little bit even more in a nurturing way. You could say, babe, your approach to productivity has to honor your biological rhythm as does mine. And they're going to look different. And you shouldn't judge yourself based on the male pattern. You should embrace your pattern. Totally. Right? You would, I mean, God, somebody said that to, if a male partner said that, that has never been said in the history of the world, by the way. So any male listening, if you want to just rewind, write that down, deliver that to your lady, um, you would heal her in such a profound way. And then there'd be some sort of magical shift uh, for her and for you both. Powerful. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. One of the downsides to living in our modern world largely cut off from nature is that we're constantly exposed to things that dysregulate our hormones or endocrine system. So I'd like to tell you about an amazing product called Pine Pollen Pure Potency from SirThrival.com. The reason I love and have been using this product for many years is its profound effects on testosterone and male hormones. As we age, many of us experience something called andropause. That means after about 35 or 40, there's a steady decline in testosterone and other androgens, which can make both men and women become excessively estrogen dominant. Add to that all of the xenoestrogens in our food, water, and personal care products, and we have a serious hormone problem. A problem that eventually forces many people to look into HRT or hormone replacement therapy, which is a very aggressive form of regulating hormones from the pharmaceutical and medical industry. So if you're looking for a natural alternative to that solution, the pine pollen is for you. The great thing about this product is that they've included some other key ingredients which create a really balanced formula for regulating your hormones and boosting testosterone. Not only does the pure potency contain pine pollen, which of course goes back thousands of years in Chinese medicine, but they've also included stinging nettle root to liberate your body's natural testosterone that is bound by sex hormone binding globulin or SHBG. They've also thrown in some Siberian ginseng, which optimates the body's natural hormone production. The wild pine pollen is flavored with orange, vanilla, and a hint of clove and maple syrup infused in organic alcohol and then bottled in superior Myron glass to protect all of the ingredients. It's produced in the USA and it is absolutely the best natural male hormone replacement on the market. And let me tell you what, it's also great for women. You know, don't think that when you hear the word testosterone that that is solely for men. This product is amazing for women too and its ability to help restore natural hormonal balance. So get over to surthrival.com and check out the Pine Pollen Pure Potency. If you walked in my kitchen right now, you'd find about four bottles of it. I take this stuff at least twice a day. On a good day when I can remember three times, it's truly fantastic. So go to surthrival.com and use the code STYLE10 to save 10% off. That's surthrival.com. S-U-R-T-H-R-I-V-A-L. Like survive and thrive. Surthrival.com. Enjoy. And now back to the interview. Yeah, you know what's funny is I, I, I think when um, when she asked me that too, I had made the observation, not a judgment of right wrong, but just an observation like, wow, she just you know this week's just doing a lot of chilling. I'm not worried about it. She doesn't support me financially, so it's you know it's just it's fine. Do whatever. But I, I was reflecting that I think I was able to be 
as understanding as I could because I too go through phases of productivity and inactivity. But I think the dip- within the day, well, a bit, but even on a yearly basis, it's not like, oh, this week I feel this way. It's like, I, I, it's December. I can't work all month. Like I have to just unplug, stop, go into visionary mode. Like I can't do the tactical mm-hmm. shit. Like I just need a break. And, and I've beat myself up as a guy because there's been times where maybe two months go by and I get nothing done except just kind of regenerate and get back into creative vision mode, you know? Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because we can really map out the brain chemistry piece for women and why the time management needs to match up for that. And also, I love that you're feeling that level of attunement that really speaks to your self-care practice. And I want to explain that because that's an added layer of how men can benefit from an uh, an extended experience of infradian timing. So, you know, there's in Greek terminology, there's two references for time. There's uh, chronological time, right? Constantly going. And just it's just a line of demarcation, like now it's 3.52 and now it's 3.54 and it's just chronological time. And then there's this other flavor of time. It's called chirological time. And it's this idea of timing or right timing. So not what time is it, but when is the optimal time for it? Right? Oh, yeah. So, and and then we sort of map onto, let's say, growth cycles, right? So you have um, in nature, everything follows a similar structure of uh, initiation or seed stage, sprouting stage, growth and harvest stage, and then fallow stage, right? And so what you just described... I think I fall- that describes me. Yes. Well, that describes all creatures in the natural world, right? Because you cannot be constantly in perpetual growth mode or perpetual harvest or perpetual fallow or perpetual seed sprouting. Like it just, it's not sustainable. So you work yourself to a place where once you've expressed your creative gifts for a period of time and you've reaped the benefits of them, you go fallow for a couple of months. That could be a couple of weeks. It could be a month. It could be whatever it is. And that's a natural, normal thing to do. Sometimes people can um, find that that mimics the seasonal patterns. If you live in a place where the seasons have you know, major demarcation of temperatures and expression of the nature of that season. But that's, so that's one way that men can kind of tap into this sort of cyclicality, this idea of t- right timing, this chirological experience, because you're much more oriented to a chronological kind of, you know, everyday turn of the wheel. Women in this infradian rhythm follow that four-phase pattern pretty identically within the space of a month. So in the follicular phase, literally on the inside the ovary, we have multiple little eggs germinating, you know, growing, being stimulated by these hormones. Then during ovulation, one of them sprouts, so to speak. One of them breaks forth from the ovary and makes it down to the fallopian tube and into the uterus. And then during the luteal phase, the the garden, so to speak, the endometrial lining is is grown, right, by those hormones so that the egg is nourished in case there's insemination. And then there's the harvest, whether that be the fertilized egg or the you know the beginning of the shedding of the, the uterine lining. And then there's the fallow period, right, of the actual bleed, right, where we sort of rest and reset. This 
also has effects on our creativity or productivity in terms of what's happening in our brain chemistry. The levels of hormonal ratios that are happening in the follicular phase, for example, make you much more wired during that phase for ideating, initiating, planning, project mapping. This is what you will quote unquote get off on, so to speak, when you're doing your work in that phase. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do anything else. Of course, study after study has shown women can do it. And ironically, none of these studies have ever been taken place on a male subject, but on females, uh, we I guess we needed to prove that women could think straight constantly, so to speak, right? So women can do anything that they want uh, at any time. And I just, I say that tongue in cheek because that, if that doesn't speak to gender bias in research, I don't know what does. Um, so then, you know, in the ovulatory stage, because of this super surge of estrogen, it hyperstimulates verbal and social centers of your brain. So this is a great time in your schedule to front load, you know, social activities, networking events, presentations, anything and everything that's going to allow you to take advantage of this hyper-stimulated verbal and social centers of your brain. Why wouldn't you do that, right? You wouldn't do it because you just didn't know. <laughs> Once you know, you can't, you'll just naturally start to gravitate towards the things that feel natural and aligned for you. Then in the luteal phase, which is the longest phase, 10 to 14 days, my favorite phase, I have to say, from somebody who runs a company and is very productive and has a child and you know is very involved at home and I love to cook and I'm a busy person. Um, the luteal phase is my favorite because this, with the introduction of progesterone into your brain chemistry, progesterone at adequate levels, which means you have to be taking care of your hormones for this to happen has a calming and focusing effect on your brain chemistry. So for 10 to 14 days, the longest phase of the cycle, you will bring things to fruition, get things done, enjoy really running through your to-do list and like muscling through it and just making it happen. I'm in that phase right now. I love this phase. I always plan all of my deep work, big project completion, chunks of time, in fact, you are the only podcast I'm doing in this 10 to 12 day period because, just because, but you know, other than that, I'm content creating. I'm really in this zone of, of making things happen. And then in the menstrual phase, which we think of as this, what fallow means, we think of as this uh, period of nothingness. Actually, from a, in br- the brain chemistry point of view for women, the right and left hemispheres of the brain communicate maximally during this phase across the corpus callosum, which is that bundle of nerve fibers that connects the two hemispheres, which means, what does that mean? It means you can synthesize the data that each of these hemispheres is providing. One will provide data on facts about a situation, like so-and-so you know, said this to me, and then feelings. And when they said that, I felt this. And when you're synthesizing this information, you then are in a place where you can evaluate, well, what do I want to do with this integrated view of facts and feelings about situations? And when you start to use this week as an opportunity to really reflect, how's this vertical of my life going? How am I doing with self-care? How's my relationship? How's my career? How's my whatever? You're able to really evaluate and then start to really decide if you want to make changes from a place of abundance, self-love, compassion. And then when you get back to your follicular phase momentarily, 
you can start to put those ideas of where you want to course correct right into your project map. And the cycle begins again, constantly turning this wheel of um, both chirological time and sort of, if we say, the, the creation matrix of how anything comes into being um, every single month. And for this reason, I feel like women do not need the annual New Year's resolution uh, ritual because if you menstruate and use your menstruation accordingly, you will do it every month. Wow. And this is this could be mapped out and timed using your app, right? The app and also in chapter uh, six of the book, there's the first time management daily planner that incorporates the circadian and infradian rhythm. Like I had to build one for myself. What does it look like if we include it, include the infradian into a time management system? Um, and so that's in there for you too. But yeah, it's also going, it's in the app. It's going to be in the app even more. Are there any women that this would not apply to? I mean, is it ever a miss and women are just like, nope, none of this fits me. If you, well, if you are taking synthetic birth control, you will shut off the pulsing of these hormones. And so your infradian rhythm will be sort of dormant. You will not have these changes. And just so you know, and I have a lot of content and resources on my site and on our Facebook page about what you need to know about the pill and what it's doing to you, but it does not fix your hormonal issues. It just... Uh, shuts off your own hormonal production and gives you a low synthetic dose of hormones that do not generate a cycle. And any bleeding you have associated with your medication is just a breakthrough bleed, but not an actual cycle, nor are you ovulating. And there's so much that you're missing out on, not just all these wonderful brain benefits and metabolic shifts and the dynamic nature of who you are for these four decades while you're menstruating, um, but you're also robbing yourself of every ovulation, which puts health in your future bank account for protecting your heart, your bones, and your brain. So lots of for, for women to understand while they make these important decisions about whether or not they're going to use that medication. Uh, and then while you're pregnant, obviously you're in a completely different zone and you're not going to be having this cycle. Um, and then when you are postmenopausal, you go from you go from having the two clocks, the infradian and the circadian, back to the single clock life like you were as a child. You're just back to the circadian. So it's this special time that you have access to this as a woman from your first bleed to your last. And I would like to see a future in which we all take advantage of it fully while we have access to it. Um, I, I, get, I wax a little uh, quantum physics poetic in chapter 10 of the book because if you think about the fact that women are the vessels of gestating or 3D printing small human beings, it would only make sense in a vessel that contained two different sets of timing, right? On that sort of quantum level, both sets of timing would facilitate that taking place. It's fat. it's just interesting to think about. But you know, I I would really love to see you have an experience of four decades of really harnessing the gifts of this of this rhythm before the clock stops ticking in that way. I feel like in our society at large, uh, apart from people, I guess, that are really tapped into this kind of information, that that experience is being largely missed. I mean, I've I don't I can't think of one woman I've ever met or been in any sort of intimate relationship with where I would be privy to this information um, that has regular cycles, 
that doesn't have cramps, uh, PMS, fertility problems. I mean, it's rampant. It's it's insane. Almost half the population, and that's just what's reported. And again, all of that's unnecessary. Cramps, for example, if nature designed you to be in pain, then you would make more prostaglandins that controlled uterine contraction than you made those that control uterine relaxation. We have three. PGE1, 2, and 3. PGE2 is the only prostaglandin that controls uterine contraction. And then it's sandwiched by two prostaglandins, 1 and 3, that control uterine relaxation. In fact, nature has, again, because nature is extremely efficient and elegant, why would it have to do more work to make more of these prostaglandins to cause the uterus to contract. It would never design a system like that. It would be like, oh, the least amount of effort to yield the outcome, right? So a little bit of PGE2, the uterus moves, the endometrium sheds, and then there's a lot of relaxation out of that, outside of that. Same thing with labor. Women in the orgasmic birthing community will talk about the fact that it doesn't necessarily have to be painful. I mean, one could argue that and a lot of a lot of birth researchers actually talk about the fact that in in fact the same things that cause painful periods, which is um, an increase in consumption of let's say toxic fats as opposed to omega three rich fatty acids, which we were exclusively eating up until the modern food era, um, create an increased production of PGE two and suppress the production of PGE one and three. So if you're eating these bad fats, you're going to have pain, not just with your period, but also potentially with labor, right? Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That to me, you know, I have a list of like the top 10 foods to avoid um, because I, I think once you kind of have that down, then it's more about EMF and blue light and some of the more environmental toxins. But uh, one of them to me, that's just the scourge of our food system are toxic seed oils, the canola oil and and the like, and all these ambiguous vegetable oils, which are just, you know, some rancid seed oil, and they're just so ubiquitous. They're just entrenched in our food supply. That's why um, I always call, I mean, I'm grateful that Whole Foods exists, but I often refer to it as canola foods, because you go into the bar at canola. Yeah, Whole you Foods. know the story about canola, right? Canola comes from the rapeseed. Yeah. Right? And when they were trying to figure out how to market this to the consumer in the 70s, they're like, well, we want to make this a health food. So what could we call it that sounds like granola? Let's call it canola. You know, it's like really just... But I mean, because who would buy rapeseed oil? You know, it doesn't sound so nice. Um, So, you know, but I do think that understanding that the inputs, the dietary inputs that you put in have a direct you know, impact on the quality of your monthly cycle, whether that be with cramps or even the color and texture and volume of the bleed itself. You know, I made a little TV history years ago going on Dr. Oz and simulating the different colors of menstrual blood using fruit juices just to share with women that every month your bleed is giving you live hormonal biofeedback, right? Like, we, again, we've normalized the conversation like, oh, look at your bowel movements in the toilet to see how you're doing with hydration and fiber intake and your health overall and your gut microbiome. If you're not looking at your menstrual blood when it's, when it's present, you are missing huge amounts of biofeedback to help you know, how's your estrogen in relationship to progesterone? 
that is something you can start making changes to immediately with your diet and start to see results in your cycle immediately. And that's the other big exciting thing to be sharing with women around their hormonal health care, which is that pervasive, probably the oldest myth out there that suffering is your destiny, the curse of being a woman, right? That pain is part of the story. And that once you have this curse, it can never be changed. You're going to be stuck with it for life is not predicated on any scientific facts whatsoever. And if you want to change how your period is, you just have to change sort of how you're eating and how you're living and it will change, period. Um, you know, as someone who's been enthusiastic about alternative health and whatnot over the years, it has been frustrating for me to observe women in my life suffer. And, you know, it's always that it's like the codependent controlling side of me wants to be like, all right, I'm going to fix this, like eat this, don't eat that. And, you know, over the course of my many years into this, I've learned to just mind my own business, you know, and just no one asks me for help. I'm not going to say shit because it's, it's, invasive and controlling. And it really is, as I said, it's none of my business unless they make it my business. But it is frustrating to me because I care about people, especially my intimate relationships, friends, family, etc. And I know that it's fixable. It's just so annoying to me. (laughs) And it's like, it's even more annoying when I haven't been given permission or my opinion hasn't been asked for. And I just have to sit there and like, you know, be compassionate and listen to you know, whoever it is that's sharing their problem with me and knowing like, oh my God, I know the answer to this. It's so easy. Well, not easy to fix, but is fixable if you have the right help, like the book, you know, the book that you're Well, can I, can I support you? Because I really feel the love and concern you have for women and what actually you, instead of uh, trying to repress this desire you have to 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 sh- support and just sort of stay passive and listen. I would actually redirect that energy if it were me, and I would say, why don't you help express to that woman that she should expect better from her healthcare, that she should um, seek out knowledge about her body and that she should advocate for herself until she feels the way she wants to feel and not be gaslit by anyone until that occurs, right? So you're basically going from passive listener, compassionate listener, you know, into warrior advocate to help emblazon her to become her own advocate because that's the thing that's been drilled out of women. Maya Dusenberry wrote about this in her book, do no harm, which basically talks about experiments that have been conducted where male and female patients walk into the same physician's office, complain about pain. And in the case where a man is complaining, tests are ordered, things are, labs are run, and it's taken seriously. Women complain about the same pain and the experience that they receive is gaslighting. They are told it's in their head. I mean, let's not forget the invention of hysteria. Uh, as a diagnosis, and you know, and just said, well, you should just, you know, I, probably is in your head. You just go home, right? And women are turned away and told that there's no that they're crazy that they're that what they're feeling isn't real. 
And for a male partner in their life to be like, that's complete nonsense because that's not what happens to us dudes at the doctor's office. You should fire that doctor, go to a different one until somebody listens to you and takes your pain seriously. That would be the kind of like warrior masculine energy you could bring as an assist to your partner whose whose own inner warrior goddess energy has been wounded by this situation. Yeah. I mean, my message really is even more so than find a doctor who supports you and listens to you is become your own doctor. You know? Well, you know, certainly become completely literate about your body. I mean, self-knowledge is the name of the game, whether that be physical self-knowledge or spiritual or emotional self-awareness, really understanding that is the journey of one's life in so many ways. So yeah, women for sure, when it comes to their bodies are so far behind the eight ball because of this nonsense of sex education that we're presented with and just really cut off at the knees from understanding who we are. We do have to play a bit of catch up, but luckily I put it all in this book. So you can really just read it and get quickly acquainted so that you can just really for certain know who you are, stand on your own biological rhythm, um, trust yourself a lot more, uh, love yourself more, right? Instead of feeling like you're always fighting this battle with your body, like, oh no, I'm just doing exactly what's right. This is exactly, instead of finding yourself wrong all the time, you're going to start to find yourself right all the time, you know, right at home. And it's just a great feeling to start to build on. One thing I find really encouraging is that females these days, as I've observed being into what's now called biohacking, I guess, thanks to Dave Asprey, but used to just be alternative medicine or you were just a health freak. And this has gone back, you know, over two decades ago when I got into all the infrared saunas and detoxing and juice fast and making kombucha and doing colonics and all the things that were kind of, you know, the first stuff we got into. And uh, there weren't a lot of women engaged in that health sovereignty at that time. It was kind of a man's game, except uh, older women whose health had really failed them. And then they were like, all right, screw the doctor and the medical model. I'm going to figure this out myself and went more in the functional medicine or self-healing uh, direction. But now it's really encouraging. And I, you know, I noticed in your book, you use the term like biohacking your health. But as someone who does, I don't know, probably half my content is about alternative healing and biohacking, et cetera. Um, not only are there a lot of women really embracing it, but really young women. I mean, I get messages from girls on Instagram and I don't look at their age and their profile or whatever, but they look like they're in their early twenties and they're like, you know, I'm learning about EMF and blocking blue light and I'm, you know, eating grass fed meat and wild fish and ghee and, you know, they're on all the things. And they- I mean, I, I, I constantly offer my gratitude, unending gratitude to millennials, because if it were not for their like complete balking at the ultimate taboo around showing visible signs of menstruation. You have to remember five years ago until, um, you know, people were posting pictures of themselves free bleeding on Instagram that had never been done of in all of human history. Right. And it was millennials who were like, um, this is my life. I just bled on my, you know, sheets. Here it is. Why should this be something I can't show? You know, and I just, that 
shifted the culture. Then we had two years in the wellness community where um, menstruation was a, a wellness theme of the year. And you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. That had never happened before. And it, we're living in, from, what, from a female healthcare point of view, historic times. And what that requires of us is to ask for more. You bring up the biohacking community. You know, we need to have more inclusivity there too. Right. If we're going to be talking about, oh, this is generally good for you. Yes, certain things are like EMF, uh, sorry, blue light blocking things and other environmental things you can do and saunas. Yes. But when we're talking about saunas, where is the research to talk about when a woman should do that based on metabolic and cortisol shifts throughout the infrading rhythm? There is none, but there is plenty of research just on the men as opposed to it's universally good every single day. That doesn't mean a woman should do it every single day. Not including that and just making the assumption that it translates from the male study to the female is gender bias that needs to be addressed, right? And again, I don't think that it's malicious and in its origin. I just think it's a habit. Um, and when we report on things in the wellness conversation, like, oh, this study shows intermittent fasting is now the gold standard of how you're going to protect yourself from aging, cellular aging. It would just take one sentence of, you know, journalistic, um, you know, normal things like just citing, oh, and by the way, this study was done on men and postmenopausal women. And the little bit of research that we have on women in their reproductive years is that it has the opposite effect. So women in your reproductive years don't do 17 hours of an intermittent fast because it will cause the opposite result, right? How, including women in the conversation, even if the research doesn't exist, but just to simply point out that, hey, we don't have research on this method of self-care. Proceed with caution. Follow your inner voice and let's ask and demand for more research inclusivity so that when we are having a wellness conversation or a biohacking conversation, it's actually inclusive as opposed to patronizing like, oh, this works for the dudes, so it should work for you. Yeah. And that's, that's old school. We, should, we, should, we deserve more. I like it. I like it. That's a really good point because as I've seen the biohacking scene become more popular with women, I mean, it seems inclusive in the sense that like, hey, like come to this conference. Like sure. there's a lot of women there and on social media and stuff like that. But have you ever seen a conversation, a workshop at a biohacking conference about menstruation and hormones, the infrading rhythm? I mean, I have seen some speakers, you know, and things like that. Um, but not in terms of, I think where I'm going is the technology, you know, like I, I would just assume like, oh, saunas do this for you, ice baths do this, red light therapy, et cetera, all the things, right? Hyperbaric oxygen chambers, PEMF, all the shit that I do every day. I would, because I've not considered what you just said, well, I would tell every woman to do it all the time like I do it, you know? And I study the research just because I want it to be valid so I don't hurt myself and recommend things to people that follow my work. Right. Right. But but I definitely have never even thought to pay attention to a step right. on, you know. It's, a, it's just a huge blind spot. And, we just, and that's just become so normal that we just assume that what works in the male will translate to the female. But we know that that's not true. Now, NIH knows this too. They're, they put out a, a sort of an APB, if you will, in 1996, begging researchers to include more women in human clinical trials because, you know, drug therapy 
dosing for procedures, it's all based on this assumption that you know women are smaller versions of men and therefore we'll just we'll just titrate down based on BMI. It is obviously more complex than that. And if we can do studies that factor in the complexity of the changes within the circadian cycle, I guarantee you we can create studies that factor in the same complexity of the infradian cycle. It's just that we don't because of old habits and and who's running studies and whatnot. And we we just need to demand a change and an end to this sort of an unacknowledged gender bias in the way that we talk about biohacking and wellness and research and well i think with the uh the popularity of this increasingly amongst women and as i said younger women the demand is going to create that right so as people in tech develop new types of saunas and this and that i think that in order for the marketing to really be effective i mean this is just speaking bottom line wise the research has to support the marketing right and so as women become more savvy about the nuances of their health they're going to demand like cool this thing's good for everyone really where's the study for that which is really how you know i, I guess it's the analytical male mind um, a lot of the stuff that i support and promote I'll get the analytical, skeptical dudes, and they're like, I want to see the double blind studies. Where's the research? You know, that comes mostly from guys, but I think as women start to learn more about their bodies and women should do that. They're <laughs> empowered by the work yeah. you're out, and hopefully this podcast, they're gonna be like, Hey, wait, wait, what study? You know, who did this actually cover? So I think that's really compelling. Um, I in terms of the we started going into a little bit of the diet uh, stuff and you know, like I said, aside from the top 10 horrible toxins, I think people should avoid. I don't pay that much attention to food anymore because it's just, I think there's other threats in our environment that are much worse. Um, but one thing I have noticed as a trend, as a former vegetarian myself, uh, is that it's quite common for women who are vegetarian or vegan for some period of time to stop having periods and to eventually become infertile. And this is not like a one-off thing. I mean, I can name, well, I won't name them, but five women I've known in my life that mm-hmm. this has happened to. And I get a lot of messages from women like, hey, I've been a vegan, plant-based for five years and you know my health has gone to shit and I don't have periods anymore. What should I do? You know, And my advice to them is send them to someone like you or sneak in a little bone broth and some ghee, like start you know, getting some of those micronutrients and and fats and things in there. But uh, I I tread lightly because it's not my area of expertise. So why is this happening? And have you experienced the same thing in in your uh, work? I actually think we just simply need to expand. It's not just veganism. It's any disruption to your infradian metabolic pattern will, will create a disruption in ovulation which then translates to lowered fertility. So that so you don't have to be vegan but you could get the calorie intake wrong consistently over the month and you may not ovulate every month, right? Which is going to decrease, you know, your fertile factor so to speak. Um, then you could take that a step further and add in an extreme form of dieting like intermittent fasting or keto or veganism. And I, I go through these different diets in the book to really explain why they don't work as well for women. Um, And a lot of it has to do with, yes, a combination of um, excessive calorie restriction and micronutrient depletion that over time destabilizes blood sugar 
and increases cortisol production, which fundamentally will disrupt your period as a whole, which, you know, and again, I always try to explain to women that your fertility is like the frosting on a cupcake. Your, your period is the cupcake, the fertility is the frosting, and your sex drive is the cherry or the sprinkles on top of the frosting on top of the cupcake. So if we back into that analogy, if your cycle is, if you don't bake the, if you don't make the right batter, you're not going to bake that cupcake and you're not going to get to frost it and you're not going to get to put the sprinkles on it, right? So by the time you've had an effect on, um, your cycle, right? Where you're noticing cycle disruption, longer cycles, skipped cycles, you've already lost your sex drive factor, right? You've already decreased your fertile factor. And now the cupcake is not getting baked and your cycle is either delayed every month or missing altogether. And so in order for you to regain your fertility and your sex drive, right? We have to think of it as an integrated whole, your reproductive health, and really focus on supporting this cycle as a whole, eating in alignment with your metabolic patterns, your cortisol patterns, and really supporting and nurturing yourself with deep appreciation for micronutrients that your body needs to make hormones. Two key players are amino acids and essential fatty acids, right? So what to go back to your question about veganism specifically, you know, I think the challenge is that, you know, it's so easy to be a junk food vegetarian and that does not have a micronutrient rich, you know, exposure for you. But also a lot of people these days are working with diminished gut microbiome capacity due to overexposure to medications. The birth control pill being one of them depletes the gut microbiome pretty powerfully. Overexposure to antibiotics, traveling and having all sorts of funky things happen to your gut with parasites. Everybody's affected in different ways, which means that you may not be, or you have experience with eating too much gluten and dairy and you have leaky gut you may not be absorbing enough amino acids um, from the vegan sources of plant protein um, that then make it even more difficult for your body to manufacture adequate levels of hormones. And if you're not eating good quality fats, then they're not, you know, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope. So if you want to be vegan, I absolutely believe it can be done in a safe way, but you have to be really dedicated to it and take your supplements seriously and really work on it. And it doesn't work for everybody. And I've had women who have used bringing in therapeutic sources of animal protein for periods of time to restabilize their cycle and then find that they can go back to a healthier version of a vegan diet. It just all depends on your system, your gut, how dedicated you are to food prep, and you know how good you are at staying consistent with supplementation and really helping yourself. Because I, I do appreciate that for some people, Veganism is not about a, a health trend. It's a really, you know, it's it's an act of love for the planet. It's it's you know in service to a greater cause, and I support that. Um, but I want you to be healthy while you undertake your your mission. Yeah, make makes sense to me. I think uh, due to my subjective experience of really having my health suffer as a result of eliminating animal foods uh, and being so confused by that, 
for so long. And then I, you know, finally started putting the pieces together and now eat probably more animal foods than anything else. And I feel better, younger, more energy. All my biomarkers are better than ever before. Um, I guess I, you know, I have, I'm a little bit, uh, it annoys me a little bit when the health industry pushes for that in, in an extreme diet way, just like extreme keto or extreme anything, you know, over the years, I'm sure you've been in this game 20 years, you watch these trends come and go as the next big thing. And to me, it's always like, what food makes you feel good? And you know, doesn't cause you to be infertile. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, let's also just look in, back into the blue zone research of, of these two wonderful scientists. I'm not going to remember their names um, off the top of my head, but, you know, basically when you look across these longest lived, it's really not about the length of their lives. It's how healthy they remain throughout those years. The common factors is that it's a plant forward diet with adequate levels of a mix of plant proteins in the forms of legumes and animal proteins and, and fats that you wouldn't even consider health food like lard, you know, which is hard to wrap your head around sometimes because of where we come from in this culture here with, you know, no saturated fat equals health. But um, all of these longest lived populations with the least amount of disease over those years um, have a pretty standard diet of this sort of middle path, you know, which is a Confucian thing, like take or Buddhist thing, take the middle path, right? Like, let's not be extreme in either direction. Seems to also work really well for the body too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to cover uh, because I'm clueless about them, but it seems that they're quite common. One is fibroids, and the other one is endometriosis. There you go. <laughs> yes. Dude. Uh, well done. <laughs> I'm seeing both of these become more common with younger women. And I don't know, maybe it's because I wasn't paying attention. But as I was growing up, I didn't hear my mom and her friends talking about everyone having fibroids and these kind of issues. So it seems... Well, it is definitely on the rise. Um, you know, one in uh, eight women have fibroids. One in 10 has endometriosis. In the African American community, it's one in two women will have fibroids. Um, so, you know, one has to ask the question, what is going on? Why are women having abnormal growth, so to speak, within the uterus or, you know, attached to the uterus or having growth outside of the uterus? And, you know, they're two different um, types of conditions, fibroids, um, you know, really are benign tumors, so to speak, that are fed by excess estrogen. They can happen within the uterus. They can happen inside the wall of the uterus. They can happen outside of the uterus. And uh, depending on where they are, they can affect fertility, um, you know, in terms of implantation, successful implantation. The challenge with them is that, um, um, you know, unless you can find a fibroid surgeon who that's like what they do all day long, only that, most of the time you'll get the advice to just do nothing because they're worried about creating any scar tissue, and rightly so, in the uterus. But then the doing nothing and maybe taking synthetic birth control doesn't really help you when then you go off of it and you want to try to conceive. It's just a, it's just a, not a great 
it's not great options. You know, I think women, I think there should be more research done on fibroids, what the mechanisms are that are involved in the creation of that. Um, what are the dietary inputs or environmental inputs that trigger the development of those? And then what are some other advanced techniques we could use surgically to help women really you know, get rid of them when they have overgrown and then use other types of, let's say, nutritional therapy or micronutrient therapy to um, you know, prevent the massive recurrence of them happening. Um, I think there's just more research that needs to be done. On the, on the fibroid trip, uh, have you heard of women reversing that condition naturally by just making dramatic changes that support their hormonal balance, et cetera? Or is it the kind of thing like once they're there, you either just have to leave them alone or have them surgically removed? I think um, once you have identified that you have them, they're likely sizable enough that they're causing you discomfort because it's not a, it's not often that they're, you know, that you're doing scoping inside the uterus to see what's going on there. You know, you'll get cervical exams annually, but not that typically. So by the time you're seeing them, they they may be candidate for some sort of surgical support. Um, if you know if you're able to connect with a surgeon who can help you. Um, but I think what women should know is that if they're going to go the route of surgery, that they want to definitely consider absolutely everything and anything that they can do to help their bodies metabolize estrogen more efficiently. If estrogen is fueling the development of these fibroids, you know, and you're going to go through the arduous process of having the surgery to, to address them, then doing everything in your power to prevent a recurrence would be really a smart thing to do. And we know that estrogen levels can be modulated just by simply adding things in like ground flaxseed, for example. We've had that studied on uh, long-term effects on breast cancer. That's been studied in terms even of just um, increasing fiber can delay the onset of menopause by several years. Um, so w we need to just have more research. More research is needed to help women so that we don't feel like um, we're guessing at what is the appropriate steps to take. With endometriosis, um, the good news is that we understand it a little bit more now. So that's a situation in which the lining of the uterus can grow outside of the uterus and um, can wreak havoc on bowel movements or bladder function or just create pain, right? Because it's it's tissue that that moves, and so when that's on other smooth muscle uh, organs or tissues, can really be problematic as you go through the cycle. So at first, it was just categorized as a hormonal issue, but now we have a better understanding that there is also an autoimmune component taking place with endometriosis as well. So again. Let's get some more funding for some more research. Let's really understand what are the epigenetic triggers, what is happening inside the body, what are the pathways hormonally, and let's be able to offer some real support to these women. Um, you know, and in the meantime, yes, do all of the things that are going to really support decreasing inflammation in the body, bolstering your immune system. Again, one of those things is going to be as since estrogen is an immunomodulator, meaning you have a different immune response at different phases of your cycle, living in sync with that infradian rhythm is going to help balance your immune response over time. 
and you know taking care of, of also your hormonal balance as well as estrogen modulation, estrogen metabolism, all of those things. But I think it's a hybrid approach um, for endometriosis. So with all of these conditions, whether it be PMS, excessive bleeding, cramps, endometriosis, endometriosis, PCOS is another one, you know, September, I don't know which, September is PCOS Awareness Month and it's the condition that I used to suffer from. Um, One in seven women have PCOS, you know. Is that? Why is that? What is? Oh, what is PCOS? Polycystic ovarian syndrome. So uh, it's a condition in which the, you know, the hypothalamus, the ovaries, they're not communicating in the right rhythmic fashion. There's elevated levels of um, different hormones that prevent regular ovulation. There can be hyperandrogenization of you know the female where she's growing facial hair where she doesn't want it and losing hair where she wants to keep it. Um, there's cycle irregularity. There's insulin sensitivity to varying degrees. There's mood implications. I mean, at the height of my condition, I was over 200 pounds, covered face, chest, and back in cystic acne, totally depressed, completely anxious, and completely in, unable to sleep. It was a nightmare. And this lasted for several years. And I was told that there was, they didn't know what was wrong with me for, for many years. And then when I did help my doctor make a diagnosis, um, she said there was really nothing that they had for women like me, except for, you know, synthetic birth control, which she readily stated was not a cure. Um, and that the condition would get progressively worse and that, you know, more medications would be needed to address the new issues that would arise. Um, from this root hormonal imbalance. And so, you know, seeing firsthand for myself the impact on your hormonal outcome from changing your inputs, right? It's such a compelling um, piece of the process that I think there should be a tremendous amount of funding going into research to really help, really help women understand that this is from a a day-to-day management of your hormonal health. It's, it's, we have to start thinking of that just like we think of the day-to-day management of blood sugar, right? That used to not be a normalized conversation. It was like, well, you had diabetes or you didn't. And now everyone is concerned about, you know, am I spacing out my meals appropriately? Am I, am I energized? Am I consistently energized throughout the day? Am I, is my blood sugar stable? That's a more normal conversation. And I think that time is ripe for us to sort of normalize this idea that it's not this either or situation. Either you have a a menstrual disorder or you don't. It's that every woman and men too need to figure out a lifestyle in which they can support the everyday nurturing and maintenance of their hormones. And, you know, my focus is women. So that's what, you know, the cycle syncing method will help you do. But I think it's really a, a conversation that should be normalized for everyone. Yeah, so it's not so much about the individual pathology that results from lifestyle and dietary choices that are going to disrupt your hormones. It's almost like, let's just fix the underlying hormone issue through lifestyle, diet, etc. And then watch, hopefully those symptoms disappear and you get back to living your best life and having life in a female body that doesn't hurt unnecessarily, that allows you to have healthy offspring if you choose to do so, right? It's like you've read my book, Luke. <laughs> and 
I think on the show, I, I do like to cover bullets of like, okay, what about this issue, this one? But oftentimes, whether it's a show that's about spirituality or physical health or whatever it is, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that, 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 and that. But still, it always brings us back to the underlying solution, you know, which but, is... But I mean, I think also that nature's design inherently is, again, just highly efficient. Um, you know, for example, there was some really important research that came out it was when I was writing the book that I remember coming across this study, they sort of have now figured out that there are these sort of specific pathways of aging and deteriorating. And one is metabolic and that might manifest as different things, you know, from high blood pressure to high blood sugar. But over time, that is going to, you know, cause the deterioration of your body. And then there are other ones that are cognitive. And, and so it was just again, another moment where science research is sort of catching up to the fact that there are these universal threads or these main channels by which the body either functions and is supported or is disrupted. And it is not so piecemeal as the way that we've categorize things just for our brains to be able to understand, okay, well, this is thyroid and this is estrogen and this, but it's really all part of a a concert. And um, instead of trying to just focus on one, really conducting the whole thing is much more efficient. And that is in fact, how the body works optimally as well. You you mentioned um, monitoring your blood sugar in this company, NutriSense sent me this continuous glucose monitor and it's they they reached out to me and I thought oh that's cool but when am I going to have time to do it and then eventually you know I was sitting on the counter and they followed up and I did I had a call with um you know someone from the the organization and he walked me through it on Zoom just put this little needle in my arm and I've had one before I just it's been a while but now that I have it in there I'm obsessed with scanning it and eating different things, you know, I'll take like, I have this supplement called Keto Before Six that helps you produce ketones. And then you can like sneak carbs in easier. Uh, and I've tested it with ice cream. And I'm like, holy shit, my blood sugar remains stable after crushing a pint of ice cream after the supplement. So it's it's fun to see what works and what doesn't. Um, but I'm also surprised to find sometimes I'll have a huge spike in blood sugar in the middle of the night or something like that. You know, it's like, huh, that's weird. What... What's at the root of that? So it's not it's not about the blood sugar. It's about the behaviors and the diet, the choices that I'm making that are causing me to be dysregulated. But when you were speaking about the hormones, I'm sure someone's had this idea and maybe we have it already. But what about one of these things that gives you real-time data on your hormones? Does that exist? Is there some like a wearable you can plug into your arm like this? And Pieces of it exist from a fertility point of view. You know, so measuring basal body temperature primarily. Um, but yeah, I think that's an area that's ripe for innovation. There's a company that I just got emailed about. Um, they are allowing you to do home urine analysis to test for different biomarkers of inflammation. And I thought, I, I cannot wait for the future. I hope it is very soon where, you know, your bathroom, your kitchen, your wearables are really um, allowing you to really engage with your biofeedback, with biohacking every day, because that's the name of the game. It's that everyday self-care that is what promotes health and well-being, um, as opposed to sort of episodic, extreme yeah. you know, stuff. 
Yeah, well, I find when I quantify that it really helps me with compliance. And motivation. And motivation. Totally. Like uh, yesterday, I did an experiment where I I don't do well with gluten, but I got this... My friend brought me this beautiful loaf of sourdough bread from a place called Tartine. And and I don't really eat bread normally, but it just looked so goddamn good. So I emailed them and was like... And they're like, their branding is all about how we get the best flour and this and that. But I looked in the ingredient deck and it didn't say organic flour. So I'm thinking it's sprayed with glyphosate, with Roundup, right? So I'm the asshole that actually emails the company. is like, hey, so notice you're not organic. Is your flour sprayed with glyphosate? And they emailed me right back and they're like, are you kidding? No way. We would never do that. Our flour's awesome. So even though I'm gluten sensitive, I ate like half a loaf of this bread because it was delicious with melted butter and sea salt, which is <laughs> food of all time. But then I wanted to see what it did to my blood sugar. And interestingly enough, it didn't raise my blood sugar within a couple hours of eating it, but it did raise it in the middle of the night up to like 170 or something like pre-diabetic coma level. So I would never know that. And I would be way more tempted to make that bread bonanza, an ongoing habit if I didn't see what it did to my blood sugar. you know. So I think the quantification is really meaningful because it does, it helps us have discipline. And if, if we want to have that discipline, it's really cool to see the real-time data as we live our life. And it's going to be a really fun world where each person, again, as I said earlier, can um, become their own doctor, You know, educate yourself, empower yourself, read books like yours. And, oh. and hopefully we have more being developed that is including women's hormones. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because that's the thing that oftentimes not only are women, you know, walking around with this big blind spot about, you know, just their hormonal literacy and and the terms and 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 then of course they're being conditioned with the beliefs that there's nothing that they can do that they can biohack everything else but not their hormones, which you know, just doesn't make sense because everything is connected. Um but then there's less in terms of research, de, you know, devices, um, even even testing that you can have to really, you know, dive deep. Um, and so we just we need more. Yeah. We need more. Well, any tech entrepreneurs out there, I'm calling for a unisex uh, 24-hour monitoring device that is EMF free that um, can give you real-time reports of your neurotransmitters and hormones. How about that? Someone out there is doing it. So it's going to be... And call me when you figured it out. (laughs) Right here. Um, So my last question for you today, wow, this has been quite an epic journey here. Thank you for your uh, generosity of time. It's been fascinating. You're brilliant and super fun. So thank you. Um, My last question is, who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life and your work that our listeners might be able to go check out? Mm. Okay, so many, but let's see. In any case, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. The book is called, uh, it's by Natalie Anger, Women and Intimate Geography. That was a powerful book. That was a transformative book. <sighs> let's see. I had a really interesting experience exploring some of the work of Osho. Um, I thought that was really enlightening his appreciation for feminine energy 
and its distinction from masculine energy was revelatory to me, introduced me to the concept that I could actually do meditation that included my body as opposed to ignoring it. And so, you know, to this day, when I meditate, I'm either dancing ecstatically or twirling around or just moving my body. Yeah, really, really. That was, it was so liberating because the the whole premise of like staying still did not work for my, my dynamics. So that was really cool. And let's see another one. Yeah, Tom Kenyon, the Magdalene Manuscripts. I'm pretty sure it's a work of fiction, but it was just a really interesting... um, I would also throw in Sue Monk Kids, um, Dissident Daughter, just sort of really interesting dive into our culture and, and its wrangling with the subject of the feminine spirit. Awesome. Well, thank you for the recommendations. We'll put them in our show notes with everything else we talked about. Uh, Lastly, where can people find your book, app, website, social media, anything you want to promote and send them to now would be the time. Well, if there's anything going on with your cycle, I'm not just an advocate and a researcher. I'm a femtech entrepreneur and I built a company called Flow Living to help women like me who find themselves with a diagnosis or with period problems and they want to figure out what to do next. So flowliving.com is that place. I, I believe that we needed a company that, you know, would kind of be like, um, you know, Weight Watchers for your period. <laughs> you know, what do you do after you figure out some things off and you need to get some help? Well, not everybody can spend the time to, you know, do all the research and read. Well, it should just be easy for you to learn what's going on and figure out what to do. And there's programs and products and one-on-one coaching that's all done virtually um, that you can access there. So stop suffering and and get out of hormonal chaos as quickly as possible. Um, If you are on fire with the infradian rhythm now and you see the light and you want to um, figure out how to really take this to the next level in your life. As we like to say, be an infradian girl living in a circadian world. Come do that with us at cyclethinkingmembership.com. And that's where you'll find Flow 28, um, which is you know workout videos, recipes, grocery lists, um, meal plans, everything tailored to each of the phases of your cycle, plus monthly deep dives with me on how we we actually set some boundaries so that the circadian doesn't overtake our infradian way of living. And um, if you want to download the app, you can do that at myflowtracker.com and it's the circle icon, not the feather. Um, And if you want to get some really cool biohacking bonuses about like when to go to the sauna, which, which skincare things to do at which time at the spa, et cetera, Go to intheflowbook.com and you can, with purchase, download all these great biohacking guides based on the phases of your cycle. And then you can follow me on social at Flow Living and at alisa.bd. So cool. God, I really am just in such uh, admiration, not only of your work, but just your business. It's just, it's really, really impressive, you know, as an entrepreneur. And I don't mean that like, oh yeah, you're just in it for the money. I mean, obviously your origin story dictates your mission. And uh, I think anyone that's really successful has a value system based on that, but really wanting to help. But it's 
it's incredible what you've put together with all of this, just the sheer amount of content and support you offer for people. So it's really inspiring. I'd like to find a way to build something like that myself, you know, that encompasses my particular niche passion. passion. So uh, congratulations on that. It's really impressive. It's been um, like a, a labor of love and 20 years deep, you know, so <laughs> time and love will usually get you there. Yeah, it's cool. Well, I'm so glad you came on the show today and uh, have so many ways to support people beyond this information. You know, oftentimes someone comes on and shares their expertise and it's like, okay, bye. (laughs) It's like, good luck with that. Uh, You know, not that that's a bad thing, but they don't have an infrastructure built to support, you know, their work and for people that want to learn more and actually apply what's been discussed. So it's really cool. I feel really um, grateful to be able to have people have a takeaway here that's actionable that they can really do something with. So it's very cool. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I mean, really, I've been interviewed by so many interesting people and this conversation has been so juicy and so multifaceted and so nuanced. And um, I've so enjoyed sharing all of these things. And so thank you for being just like amazing at pulling all of those things out. Oh, thank you. I'll take yeah. the compliment. I appreciate it. And, yeah. uh, you know, I look forward to um, sharing this episode with as many people as possible. And I'm going to encourage them to share it with their friends as well. And we'll just keep getting this message out and empower everyone to take responsibility for their health and live their best. Get in the flow. <laughs> it's like, suffering is optional. If we educate ourselves and yeah. work like yours, I just, I believe the human body has the blueprint to heal, be healed. And our spirit has the blueprint to heal others. So thank you for taking the time today. Thank you for having me. There's nothing better than wrapping up an interview and knowing that your guest absolutely knocked it out of the park. Now, I had listened to some of uh, Elisa's interviews just to study up and make sure I got to know her before jumping into a conversation cold. But uh, in my humble opinion, this was one of the most thorough interviews she's ever done. I mean, we really dug into the deep end here, and I'm so excited to share that with you. As I promised in the intro, I want to tell you about something revolutionary that can change your life if you're a woman. Flow 28 is Elisa's new program for women that helps you take back control of your health, your hormones, and your life all month long. And we talked a lot about the principles she uses during this interview. Now, what's so cool about this method is that she covers food, exercise, and time management for the actual female biology and hormones. And it's the only program based on your infradian rhythm. Turns out that having an infradian rhythm causes changes in your metabolism, brain, stress, and other systems. So basically, women aren't the same throughout the four phases of the cycle. They have different calorie, fitness, and nutrient needs. The problem is that all the fitness, diet, and lifestyle programs women often try are based on research done on men, as she talked about in this interview. So I imagine that's got to be really frustrating. I'm so glad she created this. So if you need something tailored for your unique female pattern, in order for you to truly feel your best, uh, I highly recommend that you check out the Flow 28 program. Every month, you're going to get recipes, shopping lists, meal plans, workout videos for each phase of your cycle. You also get a revolutionary time management system to organize and optimize your life. As, as I'm going through these points, I, I wish they had one for men. I feel like I'm I'm in cycles too. I don't think they're just quite different. Not only that, you get direct support from Elisa through her monthly masterclasses where you can get your questions answered. 
Alisa's cycle syncing method has really transformed the health and life of thousands of women. So I'm stoked to be able to offer this special opportunity for you in her community. So if you want to make peace with that female body you've got, you want to get rid of your PMS, if you want to do more with less stress, you're going to definitely want to check this out. So again, you can sign up with the 50% off your first month at CycleSyncingMembership.com by using the code LukeStory. That's CycleSyncingMembership.com using the code LukeStory. And uh, give me some feedback. Those of you that do join, I'd love to hear what your experience is because it sounds incredibly thorough and cool. And it really sounds like they hold your hand and just walk you through all this. So uh, hit me up on Instagram, you know, at LukeStory. Send me a DM, shoot me an email if you join the program and it's awesome. Let me know because I'm going to keep promoting it to women. Uh, You know, even though obviously I'm in a male body, uh, I have so many women guests and women friends and uh, my amazing partner, Allison. And uh, I just love women in general. And I want to do everything I can to support them, especially because they're the ones that are bringing in the next generations of humans. And uh, it's really important that women are able to also find a way to biohack their health and um, be healthy, happy moms. You know, I'm just really, really supportive of that mission. So again, check out CycleSyncingMembership.com and uh, save 50% off your first month with the code Luke Story. Why not? Who doesn't like to save money? I don't even know how much it is. It's it's probably not that much. I didn't check actually, but at least you're going to get 50% off on your first month. All right. So that's that. Uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining me. Next week's episode will be, well, actually, first, we have a bonus show of my recent appearance on Wellness Force Radio with my friend Josh Trent, where I get probably too raw and real about my past struggles with relationships and intimacy and how I eventually found true healthy love. Ah, so sweet. But I really did. And um, it was an amazing conversation. And I thought that it could be helpful to people that also have problems you know, with that area of life. So that'll be a bonus show on Sunday. And then Tuesday, oh shit, man, I'm just reading this now. This episode Tuesday is insane, guys. It's called COVID Tyranny Exposed, Fighting for Medical Truth and Freedom with Dr. Rashid Buttar, who was on the show before. That episode was my the first show I ever had actually to get censored. It was removed from YouTube. They did not like us questioning the narrative. And you know what? F them. And I'm so excited that new platforms are coming out so we can all eventually bail and just completely tank all of these tyrannical social media monsters that uh, don't let people have a voice. I always say they're all going to become the next MySpace. You know, eventually Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Facebook, all these jerks are just going to fade into nothing because they're run by people that don't care about people. (laughs) That's why they remove dissent, you know, but Tuesday's episode, man, um, honestly, Dr. Rashid Buttar was on fire. We recorded that one at Quixmala in Mexico. And um, man, I've never seen that dude that fired up and he just nails it and really went into a lot of the politics of the COVID tyranny, more so than even the, the health ramifications, which I have, of course, covered with Zach Bush and so many other amazing uh, doctors and experts before. But I just, you know, I can't believe that this stuff is persisting. I, I leave my house and drive into Hollywood and I always say to Allison, I'm like, wait, we're still doing this? You know, I walk into a store without a mask. And you're like, Sean, you need a mask. I'm like, really? Like, do you do you guys, does no one have the internet or is everyone? I mean, like, I just don't get it. 
But Dr. Buttar gets it and he's going to be hammering your brain in on Tuesday. So please, please do me and yourself a favor and subscribe to the show so that you don't miss any of the weekly episodes. People often message me and say, hey, you didn't put out a show. I'm like, yeah, I did. I've never missed a Tuesday show in four and a half years and I'm never going to until I decide not to do it for some reason, which I can't imagine why I would ever say that. Uh, But um, yeah, the reason you're not getting episodes is because you must subscribe. And if you don't listen to the shows in a while, uh, many of the apps will unsubscribe you. So it helps you if you subscribe because then every episode is automatically downloaded to your device or computer. And it also helps me, your friendly podcast host, Because even if you only listen to a few minutes of a podcast, it counts as a download. I know it's kind of a scam they have going there at the iTunes algorithmic computer world thingy, Uh, but that's how it works. So anytime you download an episode, click play, it counts as a download. And for your old pal Luke here, the more downloads I have, the easier time I have getting amazing guests on the show and awesome advertisers and all the things that makes my work here on earth possible. So please subscribe and share this episode and really every episode that you listen to and enjoy with a friend. Now, if you listen to an episode and you think it sucks, uh, then, you know, obviously don't share that because then your friends would be like, why did you send me this whack podcast? But if you listen to one that you like, like today's, and I know you did because you're still hearing my voice like three hours in or something, um, it really, really helps when you share the shows with friends. And for those of you that do, I love you. God bless. I'll be back at you on Sunday with a bonus episode and then a regular programming with Dr. Rashid Bittar on Tuesday. Peace.